Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 41 of the interview chair. Are we listening to our students who struggle? All children deserve to have the adults in their school community take time to listen to them when they have something to share, especially when it has to do with their choices or the decisions they make. It's easy, though, to dismiss students' concerns about workloads or consequences and perceive them to be whining or complaining because, let's face it, sometimes kids complain. Listen to kids anyway, and even if it sounds like whining or complaining, resist the reflex to cut them off. Let's be honest here. Sometimes we as adults can be just as likely to complain when we don't like something. We've all heard that educators, yes, we can be a little bit of a whiny bunch sometimes, can't we? Well, the first lesson here is to recognize that while we tend to be hypercritical of what we perceive as selfish behavior in our students, we need to keep in our complaints in check if we want people to listen to us. Establishing a trusting relationship with struggling students first allows them to feel comfortable enough to share their struggles. This kind of relationship is a must if you're going to help students experience success. So how can we build that kind of trust? Well, it develops over time with every interaction we have with our students. If you are wondering if your students trust you, here are a few questions to evaluate the way you interact with students and thereby their level of trust with you. Number one, are you honest with your students? Two, are you dependable and following through when you promise to do something? Number three, are you available when you say you will be? Number four, do you demonstrate a sense of empathy when students hesitate to do what you ask or fail to follow through on what you agreed upon? Five, do you take time to ask questions when they let you down rather than make assumptions regarding the reasons why they let you down? And finally, number six, are you impeccable with your word? Once you understand the situation, your initial response may be to fix a problem. By nature, many of us went into educational education because we are fixers. I've discussed this in a previous episode about how sometimes we feel like we can quickly fall into fix-it mode. And fix-it mode is dangerous because, well, we're failing to build capacity. We're failing to help develop others develop their skills because we're constantly fixing things. We hear about someone's problem and we immediately try to start figuring out how we can fix this or we can fix that. And one of the hardest things about being in a position to make decisions is that there are many problems that we can fix and make the student happy or at least initially make them happy. But that doesn't mean taking over and providing the solution is the right thing to do or is even in the best interest or long-term interest of the student. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to listen and learn more about the issue and then help the students come up with their own solutions, especially for those who struggle in school. Every child has unlimited potential. 
But I know from my own school experience, as well as through my experiences as a teacher and a principal, that many students don't recognize their own potential. I've spent a great deal of time, like many of you, working with students whom other label as reluctant learners. I know some educators would categorize these students as apathetic due to an apparent absence of interest or lack of concern about school. Sadly, some educators would go so far as to say these students are incapable of doing grade level work. Now, I'm not minimizing the reality that some students aren't living up to their potential, nor do I debate the fact that the students who struggle with learning sometimes prove to be the most challenging in our classrooms. I get it. I would be lying if I didn't admit that I, like many of you, have gone down this path before. But I do wonder if it has to be that way. When I reflect back and see myself in the interview chair, I know that I would have never ever said that I would not be willing to work with every student. I would never ever label a child. I would never put a student in a hallway or submit a referral regarding students' behavior. Not when I sat in the interview chair. I know I didn't say those things. But like many of you, we, well, can fall into that trap sometimes. Like you, I've had hundreds of reluctant learners over the years. And they tell me they don't care if they pass or not. I hear their words and the fear and sometimes even the bravado behind them. Well, the reality is that no child wants to be a failure. What these challenged students are really saying is that they lack the skills or the confidence to be successful. Admittedly, other factors may come into play, such as a lack of self-discipline or a work ethic or a commitment to overcome challenges. I would argue, however, that these factors are related to the student's lack of belief in their abilities to do the work and perhaps recognizing they lack the necessary skills, which then results in what appears to be an apathetic attitude toward the subject matter or school in general. I can recall countless times talking to students who felt as if they didn't belong or felt they weren't smart enough or that maybe school just wasn't for them. But upon deeper questioning, they stated that they didn't always feel that way. Some cherished their elementary school experience. They shared that their best school memories revolved around their elementary school days and they attributed this to their teachers who truly believed in and cared about them. So what happened? What well, was hard for them to pinpoint the exact time or year that things began to unwind for them? What they did say was that as they progressed in their schooling, they developed a confidence void which still impedes them as learners today. One of my goals as an educator has been to talk with kids, to get to understand them, and in doing so, try to make sense of why some kids are more successful than others. And through those conversations, I've identified three interrelated areas that either propel or inhibit a child's success in school. The first one is connection. Many students have shared with me they do not feel connected at school. And that, of course, breaks my heart. They want to have meaningful and purposeful relationships with their teachers and their principals, but instead feel a complete disconnection. When educators maintain a connection with children throughout their entire school experience, the positive impact is profound. As adult professionals, it is our responsibility to put systems into place to ensure that all, not just some, 
but that all students are cared for on a more personal level at school. The word systems may seem cold, but the reality is that unless we are intentional about creating a connection with all students, some will fall through the cracks. Number two, capability. Students very often take their cues regarding their beliefs about their own capability from their teachers. When students overhear a teacher say, I don't think she can do this, or he is an AP material, they believe it and settle at a level of average or sometimes even below average rather than pushing to reach excellence. Listen, we either believe that all students have the potential to learn at a high level that reflects success or we don't. My observation of schools tells me we still have some teachers and some administrators and yes, even some parents and students who don't believe success is possible. Not for some, but I'm talking for all kids. When an educator shakes his head and says, I don't think they can learn this, I sometimes I become defensive because I remember my own school days when I struggled and I wanted so badly to be able to show my teachers and professors that I could do it. I just needed their help. I needed them to sit next to me and watch me as I struggled to read or complete my work or just so they could offer me some guidance. At the same time, I wanted them to share my excitement with me when I accomplished a task or completed a problem so they could see I was capable of doing the work with their support. And finally, confidence. Yes, a lack of confidence, in my opinion, is the number one reason kids fail. Whether it's in the area of academics or fine arts or athletics, the inability to believe in oneself is a major contributing factor to failure, whether that means failing a class or a grade level or dropping out of school completely. The key to success for students, in my experience, is to build up their confidence to the level they believe they can learn or achieve anything they put their minds to. A positive mindset complemented by a strong work ethic and determination helps ensure students' success in school and in life. It's our job to help students develop those traits. And one way we can do this is by raising the bar for students when they feel stuck or on the verge of giving up. Our students don't need us feeling sorry for them. I get it. We feel badly and care so much for them that we can fall into the trap of lowering our standards if we are not careful. The pobrecito syndrome is real, my friends. Empathy, yes. Sympathy, no. Keep pushing them to high standards, but continue to offer support and encouragement while doing so. Put yourself in their shoes. Then pull back and reteach the concept that had been challenging and see how they will begin to see what they can do. We know that good teaching spirals, often introducing new material and challenges. Good teaching also revisits material that was previously covered to build students' confidence and show them they can do it. Students can accomplish any task with the right support and the right attitude. Remember, as teachers, we need to push our kids to learn at high levels. We must not be afraid to make exceptions for some kids who may need extra time or extra help to complete the required work. Whatever you do, hold them accountable for learning and don't allow students to submit work that is not of high quality. If we can do a better job of working with students, their parents, and one another, we might better understand why students don't do the work or why their work reflects a lack of understanding of the content. Knowing this, we can put the necessary support systems in place to make sure students complete the required work at a high level that accurately demonstrates their learning. 
being willing to treat kids differently does not negate the demand for high standards. It simply means that we are willing to recognize that different students have different needs and it is okay to treat them accordingly. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast to ensure you never miss an episode.